Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Hawks and Handsaws. I'll be your host today, Brad, and with me, my co-host, Eric. Howdy. Today's topic is the universally acclaimed show on Amazon, Wheel of Time, and we're here to talk about all of its greatness and triumph. So starting off, initial impressions of the show. Let's let's go a step back before that. What's your Wheel of Time experience before the show? And then watching the show, did you like the show? Okay, good question. Also, I want to clarify, universally acclaimed, is that according to Amazon? (laughs) (laughs) According to the commercials before the show came out, yes. (laughs) It is universally acclaimed by us. Who made it? All right. Um, So my experience with Wheel of Time, I had been exposed to the Wheel of Time series, book series, prior to the show. Um, It was actually a while ago. I think the first time I ever heard it mentioned, I was was still in like junior college working on my associate's degree. And I think a new book had come out and there were some people around that were talking about it and they were all excited. It was like nine or 10 or whatever it was at the time. Um, And I just thought at the time, wow, that's a lot of books in a series. And (laughs) I didn't really think much about it after that. I think I was re-exposed to it later um, for a short time when I was in college getting my bachelor's degree. I worked as like a kind of a janitorial (laughs) type guy for... Um, some on-campus housing, and it was really nice to listen to audiobooks while I did that. And so I was just kind of looking for stuff on uh, the library app, and I, I think I somehow, I don't remember how it came up again, but I got back into Wheel of Time, and so I tried out Wheel of Time. I was like, oh wow, these are long. Here's something that will tide me over, and it also helped that I was in Utah. And my family was in California and there was some driving that occurred back and forth between the two. Um, yeah. Cause my wife was, when I first got to Utah going to school, my wife was there about to have our first child. And so I like had to go back and forth anyway. So <laughs> there was a lot of driving that occurred, which, and it's nice to listen to an audiobook while I drive. So 30 plus hours of audiobook, I thought, this will work. This will be good. I'll have something to listen mm-hmm. to the whole time. So yeah, I uh, listened to the first few. I think I got through the first four total. And then I just, I was d- done midway through five. I I might be able to pick it up and go back to it again, but I just it, could it not handle his... No, Since they didn't the get shorter. Time. They're so long. And I kind of lost where the story was going. And I really hate all the female characters. They're just really terribly written. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they're all the same character with different names. And mm. they all gripe at each other. So, yeah. Okay, great. That was my experience. <laughs> yeah, and then your overall experience with the show, positive, negative. We'll get into detail later, but. Overall experience with the show. I mean, it was good. Right. Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was something entertaining. I wouldn't say, wow, that was amazing. It was just, yeah, it was something to watch. Cool. Well, my experience with the Bill of Time is... Um, I don't exactly remember the order of operations here, but somebody had just remind like introduced me to the way of Kings written by Brandon Sanderson also in college. And I was like, Hey, I like that guy. What else has he written? And then I heard that he wrote the last few books of the wheel of time. The last one had just come out earlier that year or whatever. And so I came a little bit later and I'm like, Hey, I want a complete series. I want something that I like, tied me over to the next um, Stormlight Archive book. So let's, let's read the real time. So I started from the beginning 
And I bounced off of it after the first like 80 pages. And I'm like, I can't, I'm so bored. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't even know who the main character is. Cause like it starts off in village place, two rivers, I think. Cause yep. it's twin rivers. Two. Yeah. And there's just so many characters. And like in the beginning of the book, it, it doesn't, identify who's important it's just all about everybody and i'm like i can't i'm so overwhelmed right now i don't know what to do and then i, I tried again a little bit later and it stuck that time and i read all of them through over the course of like four or five months so i just read them all um i didn't audiobook them because i didn't understand how good audiobooks were at the time but um, so good so good they are so good i am an audiobook driver now so like a nine hour drive feels just about right. Sometimes in <laughs> Utah, California, it's like, ah, that was a good book session. How nice. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I, I read them all and I really enjoyed the books. I finished the last book on the way home from Yellowstone. I think I was reading in the car right before I got in the car and I had just finished like the last chapter. And so I had to drive from Yellowstone back to, um, Rexburg, Idaho. And I just thought about it for like hours. So it was such a time investment and like it had such an impact on me. It was just really, really cool that I had been there with these characters for, you know, I don't know how long it took me to read it, but hundreds of hours at this point. (laughs) And the conclusion to that story is just, I had so much time invested. It was great. Um, So my experience with the show, translating to the show years later, I had forgotten a ton of plot points and characters oh, yeah. it just had been years and so coming back into the show i'm like oh yeah i remember them oh yeah i remember those guys oh yeah okay so i had a lot of that going on which was neat um i i give the show kind of a an average score kind of a meh like i it was fine um i had moments that i thought were great and i had moments that i thought were bad and if you average those out it became kind of meh so I want to hit that uh, female character comment first, where okay. the females in the show less annoying or more at, like competently written, I guess. Oh, I think than, so. Yeah. I think so. For one, uh, Moraine, I thought they, they did a very interesting thing in uh in the trailers that i saw for this like if you're just going into this having no idea what the wheel of time is about watching the movie or the trailers for the show before it came out she's mm-hmm. the main character you're like oh right. yeah it's her and <laughs> i thought well that's curious especially because i know who the main character is <laughs> and they actually hold off on revealing a lot of that through the whole first season right um which i thought was really kind of curious uh because i feel i feel like you know pretty early on in the books maybe i maybe i'm remembering wrong but so, i felt i knew who the main character was yeah it's sooner i think for sure so um, yeah so anyway it was it was just very strange to look at it especially with her in that mindset i'm pretty sure in the books she was just kind of this mysterious figure um, that comes into town and you're kind of looking at it from an inside a villager's perspective a little bit rather mm-hmm. than from her perspective. Um, so that was, that was interesting, but yeah, she's much more, uh, competently written. I think she's not angsty. Uh, the things she knows, she knows she's kind of like a Gandalf person. Everybody mm-hmm. seems to think she's the bringer of bad news because she's there when bad things are happening, but she's there because bad things are happening, <laughs> you know? Right. Um, and she's just the calm, cool and collected. I'm here to do what I need to do. Situation doesn't have a whole lot of personality or humor, but also <laughs> that's, she doesn't really have the opportunity for a lot of that in her line of work, I would imagine. So right. yeah, I thought she was much better done. <clears throat> I, I did not, care for uh oh what's her name there's only two more people so like mm. i know there's Nynaeve, the other one that's not Nynaeve. Egwene. Egwene, there you go yeah i did not care for Egwene. okay she she didn't 
really work for me. I'm not sure why. She's just a little annoying, personality-wise. Okay. Uh, I don't really feel I can understand her motives for the most part. And she's... Well, I mean, she seems like she has a uh, an ambitious streak, right? That she's meant for something more, which is why she was... I don't know. Are we revealing spoilers? Do we want to spoil at this point? <laughs> yeah, sure. I, I guess, I mean... Our Warning. two fans that watched the Batman trailer who are back for this. <laughs> I don't think they're fans if they watched it once. If we have anybody listening to this, yeah, spoilers for the whole wheel of time. All of it. All of the books. All right, here we go. Spoilers. Open. Yeah. So there seems to be um, an ambitious streak in her because she and Rand were a thing. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, I'm going to leave you to be a wisdom because she says I, she thinks she, I would be good at it. Oh, well, that's a jerk move. She's going to ditch me like that, huh? All right. And it's not like the, I'm, as far as I know, there was only one wisdom at a time. No, I think it's a wisdom and in training, right? Is there always a wisdom in training? I mean, it was established even in the show. I can't remember the books, but... Um... The names Nineveh, Nineveh, Nineveh. She was the apprentice to the previous wisdom, and then previous wisdom died. So, like, I feel like there's an apprenticeship situation for sure. Okay, well, that's fine and all, except Nineveh is what a handful of years older. So it's like, (laughs) you know, the other one was an old lady. (laughs) So. This is weird to have an apprentice that's just a few years few years younger than you. I feel like you've got to get up some some seniority and anyway for it to be worthwhile for anybody. Sure. So that seemed silly that she was just going to abandon everything, all hopes of prospects of anything that she had, um, especially when she had such a good relationship with Rand. So far as we're led to believe. You know, he had imagined them getting married, have you know, having their farmhouse and everything. And she's just like, I'm leaving you to be a wisdom. Oh, that kind of hurts. Are we yeah. going to talk about this? Or <laughs> And then you have the same sort of situation with Moraine, who's like, you have the one power within you. And she's like, oh, I do. I'm amazing. I'm going to be a Aes Sedai now. So there's there's that streak of I'm going to be me, forget everybody else, except, well, maybe I'm not as good as that, as I think. So, Rand, are you still, do you still love me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like he's the back burner, but she keeps coming back to him, which, come on, lady, figure out what you want and go with it. Don't string the poor dude along. Yeah. So as a character, she bugs me. Okay. Got it. Um, I don't, again, I don't remember much in the books. It's been a while. But I thought that the female characters were written well in the show. Um, bringing some internet commentary into this, I saw some people complain that the women were given all the things that the men were given to do in the show, and that bugged them. Um, Disagree. I... I also disagree with the exception of the last episode, which I do want to talk about that <laughs> in a minute. Um, but no, I, I thought it was fine. Like Moraine being the main character, according to the trailers. And I think for the good first half or maybe more of the show it makes sense. Cause she's the only competent one that knows what's going on. Um, like I think of Lord of the Rings is the easiest comparison. A lot of the first movie is Gandalf. Right. And yeah. he's, he's doing study. He's going to Isengard. He's trying to understand all these different things. He's leading the party throughout, you know, most of the movie until spoilers for Lord of the Rings. He dies, but then doesn't. <laughs> um, Wait, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> and like, it's mainly about him, you know, like, yeah, you definitely get viewpoints from Frodo and Sam and Mary and Pippin, like, it, and the ignorant don't know what's going on, going on the adventure people, which would be Perrin, Matt, Rand, and Egwene. And then ninety eight later, um, but like that made perfect sense to me. And I thought Moraine was cool. I liked Lan. 
was cool. Um, yeah, I enjoyed Lan. He was cool. He was did cool. a good job. I, I really liked everything that he did. I liked Moraine and everything that she did acting wise. It was all phenomenal. But my my criticism, I think, for the show would be in the eight episodes, about an hour apiece, we're getting close to the entire trilogy of the Lord of the Rings, time wise. And like if you yeah. if you go theatrical release, we're we're already there. Um it felt so rushed. So rushed for some reason. I, I don't know. Like I have to watch them side by side, I think. Like <laughs> how things are paced. But like Lord of the Rings feels like it takes its time. It breathes. You understand the characters. You understand the stakes. You understand what's happening. You understand where we're going. You understand like we're in a new kingdom now. We have all these different politics. And this one, like I can barely keep up. And I've read the books. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And like. It, it was just so hectic. I'm like, what What happened here? Is it just because there's so much more stuff? Or is it because there's no clear direction? Um, That's a good question. You know, I, I'll i be honest. When I started the show, I forgot where it was supposed to end up. <laughs> um, because so I, from what I can tell, right, they tried to do the whole first season as the first book. Yeah. Which... Even still, that's a thirteen-season run. Gee, <laughs> I, I have I have heard rumors that it's going to be a shorter run than that. I that would hope so. Accelerating events, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so I had forgotten that the first book ends with a showdown at the Eye of the World, which ends. That's why the book is named that. Which I didn't mm-hmm. remember that was named that. <laughs> anyway, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so I was kind of going and thinking, all right, where's where's this supposed to go? And you don't find out what they're doing. They just leave the two rivers. And you don't know where they're going. They're going to go to the tower to do what? I, I don't know exactly. You know, just here they are. Here are the ones that are the candidates for being the dragon reborn. And we'll, we'll move to that point and see what happens then. So well, that's, that's the Rivendell moment again, compared to Lord of the Rings, right? Got but to get to Rivendell, Rivendell, you get to relatively quick. <laughs> yeah, and you get to the Tower of Episode Five. <laughs> yeah, something. yeah, four or five. Yeah. So there was a, and by the way, yeah, maybe that's another thing we should talk about in just a sec about how Lord of the Ringsy this is. But <laughs> yes, um, but the very. Yeah, I don't know. It just if it had a very unclear direction as far as where it was going to go. And I think that's part of the nature of television shows, though, right? Is they have a weird storytelling nature in that you have to have a complete story to tell within the episode length. You have to have sure. some sort of arc that occurs. And so you end up with all these weird mini arcs that don't necessarily combine well all the time. Um, it's... Essentially, you're getting a commercial break in your movies, which always felt awkward when you watch a movie on television. When it's live television, you know, you're like, mm-hmm. oh, they put a commercial right there. I was waiting for the, <laughs> right. the next part. But so it, it's kind of doing that. It's breaking your overall story up in weird places. Um, and it, it makes the narrative funky. Um. Even still, because I think it also, you're like, okay, we're going to have to fill eight, eight episodes of this. Mm-hmm. So we're going to have to throw in some other stuff along the way, some side adventures, which is pretty typical of television shows. So you totally. get the white cloaks. You get the, uh, I forget what they are, the tinkers, the way of the leaf people. Yeah. Um. And they don't really play any role in the grand scheme of things, at least not yet. Right. And it just seems like so much wasted time because it didn't do anything. You know, the Tinkers, how long were Perrin and Egwene with them? And they just kind of left them and they got all beat up by the White Cloaks. And then they got captured by the White Cloaks and tortured by the White Cloaks. And they just killed that dude. Well, they had such a big setup for that dude, but now he's dead. <laughs> well, uh, okay, the, well, that was waste. That's the Game of Thrones uh, influence there. <laughs> Who are you going to trust? Who are you going to get attached to? Oh, he's dead. Oh, he's dead. 
look, we're killing people. Check it out. Well, we definitely didn't care about that guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, episode eight. Yeah, we'll t- talk about it. But um, yeah, okay. I, I see exactly what you're saying. Um, I'm currently watching Battlestar Galactica, the, the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like it, it came out at the same time I found out as Star Trek Enterprise, which blew my mind. I thought those were like a decade apart. No, literally the same time. And Star Trek Enterprise wow. came out first, and then Battlestar Galactica started showing up. And I'm like, Star Trek. Is that the one with so... Scott Bakula, by the way? Scott Bakula being the captain, yeah. Yeah, yeah, like okay. the Star Trek formula looks so old in comparison to like Battlestar Galactica, it's insane. Uh-huh. And I think like it all clicked why Star like uh, Star Trek went totally different to try and modernize itself. It's because of this moment in time where Enterprise and Battlestar Galactica came out at the same time. I like, think I figured it out. But the the main story of like the first season is the Cylons are bad. They're killing everybody, and we got to go survive. That, that's like the the main arc. It's like we're trying to keep humanity alive. And then each episode is a new problem, a new side story or whatever. But the initial, the pilot set up the season or at least the series, right? But the pilot of this show didn't set up anything really besides characters. Like here are people, check them out. You know, like there, there was no setup. Um, Again, Lord of the Rings. Before we see any of the characters, let's watch a giant battle between good and evil. Okay, I understand what's happening. There's good, there's evil. <laughs> evil has a ring. I see it. Okay, this dude got the ring. There's a narrator explaining all of this. Like, before you see the characters, you understand the world, you understand the stakes. Bad guy wants the ring. Good guys are corrupted by the ring, and they should have destroyed it, but they didn't. Okay. That's where we're getting into the show. I kind of understand what's happening. But like, we're in a happy village is the setup, right? right? Well, nice. No, correct me if I'm wrong. I think they tried the Lord of the Rings route. They had a Moraine voiceover, which was like a Galadriel voiceover. They tried to do the exact same thing. Did I, did I totally skip over that and like forget it? I must have then, if you're telling me it existed. I, I think so, because like I think they had it, but I don't know that it was terribly <laughs> useful. Okay. It was like she was explaining the Wheel of Time and how there was this dude who broke the world. Sure. Loose there in Telamon. He broke the world right. and he's being reborn. And he will either break it again or fix it or something. I don't know. And he was born 20 years ago. So we're going to find him. Or her. That's right. Whatever he is. That. They set that up, but they're going to find him. So they set up that there's this guy who's important. So all of that talk, though, was just literally, there's an important guy out there in the world. We need let's to go, get him. Let's go find that guy. And so I guess they, do find they did episode. the same thing. It just wasn't as useful. Apparently, I forgot it. So, yeah, <laughs> it did not leave an impression on me. Maybe you need to have a battle scene during the narration for me to get it. So Yeah, there you go. They should have had him blowing up the world the first time. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. Now that you're saying it, it makes perfect <laughs> sense. Not just a close-up of Moraine's face. Is that what it was? Just like zooming in? It kind of, uh-huh. I, don't, I don't exactly remember what it was. I think she See, was in the tower or something. You can't remember what was on screen either. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I have no idea. Now, if they did a whole King Arthur situation with giant elephants and everything, totally would have got me. <laughs> exactly. Like, you got to get that good cold open. You know, what's, what's happening? <sighs> All right. Favorite episode and least favorite episode. Oh, I don't remember individual episodes. <laughs> I don't know. This show did it <laughs> a lot for us. Okay. Favorite I moment, like, like I said, least favorite moment. Not necessarily episodes though. Okay. 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 This is going to sound weird for a favorite moment. Um, because it wasn't really anything special, but it was, it felt like you were finally getting into the world and it was a really good moment of acting, I felt. So I think it's like episode two or three. I think it was two. Anyway, they left the two rivers. They're all riding. And 
they're a little depressed. The Two Rivers cats all start singing a song. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a little weird that they started singing a song, but whatever, they started singing a song. And they all joined in together. Um, and then Moraine comes in and like starts to give the history of that song, which was cool. But here's okay. the thing. It's like, it's all exposition. They could have used that moment to do like a flashback and have a fight scene. And like we just talked about, that would be cool and visually impressive. Um, but instead they chose to have this moment where she's just telling you the story all while riding horseback doing nothing else. <laughs> right. And as an actor, I imagine that to be the toughest sort of acting situation. It's like, how do I make this not seem forced and so fake because this isn't a real world, you know, and I'm, I have to tell this story with a certain amount of gravitas, you know? Yeah. So, and I think she pulls it off. She does a very good job of maintaining the composure, telling this story and like, uh, I don't know if she like gets emotional, but she, in her own way, gets emotional at the right points in the story mm-hmm. um, so that it hits home for her listeners, especially since it's their heritage, these people that were in the story she's telling. I was just a really cool moment I felt of filmmaking and acting. It was really well done. It could have been terrible. I've seen so yeah. many movies that try to just give exposition by talking, and it's like, oh, come on. But I thought she pulled it off very well as an actress. So I don't know who plays Moraine. I think I looked it up once, but I think you're right. It, I think she it, carried it. every scene she was in, pretty much. And I'm glad you don't like, know Moraine because that's going to be our trivia. So go ahead. <laughs> oh, dang it. <laughs> well, she did wonderfully, I thought. Like she was, I think, the strongest actor on the screen. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime that she was on the screen, I'm like, she did a great job. And the show, I think, is on her shoulders right now. Um, so, yeah, big fan. I liked it. I liked, liked her specifically, I should say, not it. Um, okay, what's your least favorite moment? Um, uh, that's tougher. I don't know if I can identify which moment was the worst there were a few that was me i didn't really like anything to do with the white cloaks they're just mean to be mean and uh, they they had no real background or story to them i felt they were not introduced well so they they had no purpose in this show so far as i could tell so that just made it pointless um also, I guess the final episode was real weird with <laughs> the girls linking up to do some magic and she can't let it go. So they're just frying up like mm-hmm. that was real weird. Yeah, it was depressing and like, ugh. Um, yeah, kind of terrifying. But also I didn't quite understand why or how or anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. How about you? Um, my favorite, going back to the favoriteness, um, I think it was the cold open for episode seven. It's my favorite moment. The Aiel Spear Maiden. Oh, yeah, yeah. The and pregnant lady? The pregnant lady. <laughs> so you have this pregnant cool. spear maiden just in this battlefield, and she's just wrecking people. And like, <laughs> so good. <laughs> I might just go back and watch that scene again because, like, it was just Hold so on, great. Let me have a contraction. Ugh, okay, back to killing you. Back, back to <laughs> like she's actively giving birth while fighting by herself against, you know, many com- enemy combatants, and it's just so good. And like, it was done in a believable way, and the choreography was decent, and it, it conveyed that like this type of like warrior is terrifying. And yes. really skilled. And it got that point across that they would send a pregnant woman to the front line. She accepted and she excelled still. <laughs> like these yeah. are the kind of people. Like I wish I had seen more of that battle, but 
that was my favorite moment in the show. I'm like, this show is getting better. It's going places. And then it went to episode eight and ruined everything. But um, <laughs> yeah, a couple of least favorite moments is um, I got to stop doing this. Back to Lord of the Rings. So when when they run away from the bad guys, I'm like, the only way to escape the bad guy Trollocs is to go into the cursed city of shadows and doom. Right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Like Moria. <laughs> Mines of Moria, right? The comparison. Yep. So the, the Mines of Moria are set up earlier as being an option. And they're like, no, can't do it. They do the same thing in this show. We should go through the shadow city. They're like, no, we shouldn't do it. But there's a personal connection with Gimli in Lord of the Rings. It's like, ah, oh, my cousin Balin. And it's like that huge contrast of this place is actually terrifying and we're in a bad spot. But then they're just like, hey, we're just going to camp out here. <laughs> and they're like, why is this place abandoned? And Lana's telling the story, well, you know, these are the people that betrayed the people earlier and they all disappeared. Huh. Kind of weird, right? <laughs> just sure. Basically turned into the ghost army that helps out Aragorn at the end of three. <laughs> Return of the King. <laughs> Super creepy, right? So uh, don't touch anything. Oh, Matt, I see you wandering off. Don't worry about it. Just, just have a good time, all right? In the creepy ghost city by yourself. <laughs> don't worry about it. Oh, the ghosts are coming for us. We should leave now. It's like, well, why'd you ever try and stay? Like, that was never established. Like, it felt so weird. So weird. Like, again, Moria was something they were actively going through and trying to avoid being in. And this place was like, yeah, just set up camp, hang out for a while. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it was obvious why they went there in the first place, and that was to get away from the Trollocs, especially when they were in active Totally. They were in active pursuit right then and there. So it's like, okay, cool. But then the stopping, you're right. I think that's where it got awkward. We yeah, need to get out of here. We need to get to the other side of this place now because it's dangerous. But it's this dangerous. was our only option. Um, yeah. And it also seemed unclear, like setting it up, like you mentioned prior to going there, Moraine was like, is there a reason why we're so close to the Shadow City or whatever she called it? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't answer, and she's like, okay, don't go in there. <laughs> anyway, he does, and then she wakes up and is like, where are we? You've killed us all, you fool. So it seems like there's a discrepancy between the expectations of that city. Land's like, yeah, whatever, you know, it's a bad place, mm-hmm. but it's fine. It'll get us to safety, where she's like, we're dead if we go in. Mm-hmm. So I was who are we supposed to be trusting or believing here? And you know, there was, it was an unclear, like, yeah, the yeah. expectations were unclear about the place. And then like, they all ran out and they all got out and they're like, well, because we can't find our friends. And I'm like, how big is this city? How, how far yeah. did you run in the opposite direction? How are you on a mountain now? <laughs> did you not yeah. try and find your friends? Like, <laughs> it was like a moat, wasn't it, or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's just, just walk around. Like, take a lap. It's so odd. Like, no, we're just going to climb up that mountain. I hear the White Towers that way. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> just abandon everyone, I guess. Why not? Um, not getting the dagger, whatever. Um, yeah, then my I think my real least favorite was episode eight because of expectations and setup being completely squandered yeah the entire time um nothing really happened which is weird because it was like all the people involved like this is the end times the world is ending this is the final battle you know like this is the last stand of humanity against the darkness and like it was so lame yeah anticlimactic yeah, so like, hey, we got to go reinforce the wall. Awesome. Keeping the women behind to reinforce the city. Let's have a montage of these awesome-looking ballistas, all these fortifications, all these women like gearing up for war. All the men are riding out to the gap, you know, to reinforce that wall. And I'm like, this is going to be cool. Like, I'm, I'm actually excited for like this epic end battle. Let's see it happen. 
And so you, you see the wall and they have crossbow slits in this wall, which is whatever. It's fine. And so you have King, King fella with the crossbow and he, and he gets speared and that's fine. He is the only casualty of that wall. That you see well, that's all screen. you see, right? Is you're Just there long enough to see him get stabbed, and then we're moving on. One guy, yeah. yeah. You watch one guy defend the most important gap in all of the world at the final battle. One guy died on screen. <laughs> one guy yep. made an effort and gets speared. Like what? Moving huh? on. <laughs> moving on. Sees you going. And then you have five untrained magic users. None of them have used magic. They can channel. But none of them are to die. None of them have been trained formally. And um, Queen... Except lady, for that uh, one lady, right? She was supposed to be nice to die, but she declined or something. Okay. She never I, officially... For some reason, I thought she might have gone to the tower for a little bit. But anyway, She might ahead. have gone to the tower for a little bit, but I think she didn't actually qualify or something. Okay. Anyway, Untrained defeats the biggest Trolloc army that they had ever seen. <laughs> with lightning bolts. With lightning bolts. And that scene was so poorly shot or poorly CG, I couldn't tell what was happening. I'm yeah. like, okay, big wave of lightning, lightning bolts hitting. Okay, they take out the first wave of Trollocs. Cool. But oh, no, that was everybody. <laughs> Insta-kill yeah. everyone. And I'm like, what? Huh? And then <laughs> your frustration moment of, it's so great and wonderful. I have all the power. And then she went all crazy and started killing people. And then... Egwene resurrected someone as an untrained Aes Sedai and broke all the rules of magic to do so? Yeah. That would have been a, yeah. Okay, great. All of that was annoying for a couple reasons. One, they never used any of the fortifications of the city, which were cooler than the fortifications at the Gap. Never <laughs> used them. Never, like, the battle never got to the city. Nope. Which is fine. Whatever. Fine. The five not Aes Sedai were standing in a field while they watched all of their friends die right in front Over of them. Over there. Yeah. yeah. Like, how would you guys walk forward, maybe climb the wall, and then hit the Trollocs in a choke point, and maybe all five of you would be alive so you didn't have to blow up an entire field. You just had to blow up a little small spot. And everybody would do be alive. You ever think about that? <laughs> you morons. <laughs> just watch your friends die for hours? Like, wh- why would you do that? stupid stupid or even then, even still if you wanted to go from a defensive standpoint like wouldn't you be on the castle wall or, on <laughs> or the wall, something sure. wait for them to come to you <laughs> why are you in the middle of the field <laughs> because if it doesn't work you're dead <laughs> <laughs> so many weird questions about that and then you had evil peddler guy with the the, the two shade Nazgul, I forget what they're called. The two Nazgul. <laughs> the shades, yeah. Shades. The shades? Okay. And they made a big deal about, can't hide any shades here. Let's light all the torches. Well, they were hanging out in light all the time. I don't know what happened there. Do, do shades teleport? Do they not teleport? I forgot. But they I walk in, they infiltrate the keep that's on lockdown for war by killing two guards. And that's it. And then... The heroes are like, we got to get the horn for the last battle because, you know, the dragon needs the horn. Otherwise, the world's lost. I'm like, what horn? I forgot about this horn. What's this horn? Yes. The horn of Valir. (laughs) Horn of Valir. And they're like, we got to get it. Oh, we're all dead. Oh, he's taking it. (laughs) Perrin, stop him. Yeah. Oh. There was no setup for that horn. It was all in that episode. So, yeah, yeah. Like five minutes before the horn was arrived, and then they're all dead who set it up, and then the bad guys have it. And so he's like, do, I, do I care? I forgot. <laughs> how are they getting out? This cast is on lockdown again. I don't remember how this. <sighs> Least favorite moment for me. So, yeah. The end was spotty for sure. It was. Rand's story and was then- fine. So the the final showdown too with uh with Rand and the Dark One, mm-hmm. you know, it's just a <laughs> a really funky battle of wills. That was all that happened. <laughs> right. Like, okay. Whatever. That was well, um, also anticlimactic. I don't think that wasn't the Dark One, was it? I thought that was one of the Forsaken. Which it might have been, but they again, it's not set up at all. Really? No, I thought he was supposed to be the Dark One. In the book, I thought it was. Wasn't it? 
I don't remember. So um, I, I really don't in, remember. I believe in the book, three Forsaken show up to stop Rand from doing oh, his okay. thing. I think. But it's not the Dark One. I feel like the Dark One is just so far back. Because he's got the Wall of Forsaken, and he's got the Shades, and the Dark yeah, yeah, yeah. Friends. Like He's got so many layers. Like We don't get to the Dark One for much later, I feel like. But whatever. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've vented a little bit on the confusion and wasted opportunities, <laughs> <laughs> here is your trivia. The shining point of the show, Moraine, uh, is played by Rosamund Pike. Yes. Um, she once played a Jane Austen character. What character? Rosamund Pike, a Jane Austen character. Mm-hmm. He's like... I'm asking for hints now. Is these classic Jane Austen films, more recent Jane Austen films? What does that mean? I like there's more classic times with like the guy I'm thinking of, Colin Firth, and like that that era. And there's been like mm, lots no, of remakes. More recent than Colin Firth. More recent than Colin Firth. Okay. No. Which character? I'll give you half credit if you can name a movie. How's that? Okay. The most recent remake I've heard of is Pride and Prejudice. All right. It was Pride and Prejudice. And no, that's not the most recent remake, but that's okay. (laughs) When I can think of, uh, (laughs) I don't get the Jane Austen movie updates. And I don't subscribe to those notifications. Okay. Character. So it was Pride and Prejudice. What character? So it's not Elizabeth because Elizabeth was played by, what's her face? Yep. Uh, Um, Gear Knightley. Master one. I feel like Rosamund Pike was probably still a little older than the main, like the daughter. So I'm going to say the mom. No, it was the sister, Jane. Dang it. The beautiful sister. I haven't seen that movie before. So. Well. Come on, yeah, Brett. You gotta, you gotta expand your repertoire here. I am, and I'm planning on it. I'm not gonna watch that movie though. <laughs> I'm gonna watch some other. It's actually good. It's like, I don't know. As far as Jane Austen goes, Colin Firth and Jennifer Ealer—I don't know how you say her name—but the BBC Pride and Prejudice is obviously the best one. It's good. Uh However, the Kira Knightley one actually has some very good filmmaking things, much mm. more artistic, which I thought was was nice. Uh, really cool set designs, um, beautiful soundtrack. Yeah, I had a lot of good moments. Just the characters were wrong. So, <laughs> so are you in for season two? Oh, yeah, probably. I mean, it was fun to watch. Actually, interestingly enough, it was one that Luce was looking forward to. She's like, oh, is there another episode out? Which is not a common occurrence for her. So, <laughs> yeah, if if she's into it, then for sure. And I'm curious to see where they go. Um, I will say, though, that going into this, I was slightly hesitant. I was excited for it. I'm all about fantasy. Give me a cool fantasy. I like watching awesome CG on screen happen. Um, but when they decided to rate it a 16 plus, I was like, uh, I'm not sure what that means. And, you know, after we've talked about our, we've had our ratings discussion on here and, uh, <laughs> violence and content and all kinds of stuff like that and language and content. I, uh, I didn't know what to expect from a 16 plus. And Amazon, I'll admit, is kind of spotty with their ratings. They are not mm-hmm. always reliable. They even the Amazon owns IMDb. And you will have ratings that are different on IMDb versus their streaming system. It says two different things for the same show or movie. Like Interesting. Well, well, which one is it? <laughs> so I've like, come on, guys get with the show um i remember too when the tick 
first came out. That was an Amazon yeah. original series TV show oh, about the superhero. And I was like, okay, looks like it could be fun, quirky. So they it was rated TV 14. I was like, all right, let's go for it. So I started watching it. And a few episodes in, they started pulling out relatively frequent F-bombs. And I'm like, okay, this is, I think I'm done. So mm-hmm. I, uh, I quit that. I came back to it later because I thought, eh, maybe I could watch another episode or so. I don't know. I don't know how I feel. And uh, it was rated TVMA now. They had changed their rating. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, look at that. How sneaky. So now they have this TV or this 16 plus. Like, okay, now we've invented a new rating somewhere in between. So what does that mean? It's not a TV 14. It's not a TVMA. Mm-hmm. And they've done sketchy things on both ends of the spectrum. So I wasn't sure what to what that was going to be as far as content goes. So we started the show with a very like one eye open situation. Like we're we going to have to turn this off because it's just going to ruin the whole experience for us. Um. So yeah. Anyway, we uh we made it through. It was a little on the violent side, but kind of on par with some TV fourteens and. As much as I don't particularly care for blood and gore, it was not overly excessive. I didn't feel there were a few times they're like, Ugh, okay, but it was quick. It got over mm-hmm. with it. Um, much to my dismay. There were a few times in certain cases. What was that? I'm sorry. Much to my dismay in certain cases, like the final battle. Like, yeah. <laughs> Give a little more here, sir. Just a little more, uh, well, more violence or something. Uh, you know, violence is one thing. Gore is another, I think. That's fair. Okay. Uh, for me, gore ruins the whole experience. Um, okay. As long as I get the idea. Like, I love Lord of the Rings, obviously. They're fantastic. My favorite uh, <laughs> my favorite movie out of the three, much to everyone else's disapproval, is Two Towers. <laughs> I loved <laughs> the Two Towers. And the Battle of Helm's Deep, I still maintain, is the coolest battle in the whole series. Uh, it's much more intimate, and the stakes are high. Um, the little guy against insurmountable odds, and they pull it out. You know, anyway, really cool moments too, and it's set up really cool with the the rain and the old guys and the young kids. And um, I forgot where I was going with this. Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of fighting, a lot of death, a lot of killing that goes on. But mm-hmm. it's like your your screen isn't being splashed with blood. <laughs> I mean, it's just sure. like you get the idea. People are being hacked down. Um, people, the horses come in, they get trampled, all kinds of stuff like this. You don't need blood spray everywhere. Not to mention that, I don't know, maybe I'm, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about, but I feel like blood splattering and spraying everywhere is not a normal thing. How pressurized are these people? Do, I, do these all have high blood pressure? Pe- <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I have never gotten a cut and had blood like <laughs> squirt out of me. I think that's fair. Um, I would say it has its place and this was not the place for it. So I, I was fine. Yeah. A couple times they got a little. I think the most like EU moment for me was the introduction to the white cloaks. Yes. They had that Aes Sedai um, with her hands. We're missing her fingers. Chopped off or just her hands completely. Oh, no, it was the hands. You're right. It was the hands. And the hands are like on a table next to her or something. And she's yeah. screaming on this like witch burning pyre as it was slowly like engulfing her in flames. I'm like, this is horrific. Like this yes. is exactly the stuff that I get bugged by. Like I don't, I don't like this. It, to your point, it was a terrible introduction to the white cloaks. Beyond this dude's a total creep, and he's got funding. I mean, like that's horrific. But like, there's nothing else. Like they're not all bad. They're just a little bit zealoty. But anyway, yeah. Um, yeah, I think the, that was the most disturbing scene for me. Like monsters being killed and having a little bit of gore doesn't bother me as much because they're, they're monsters. You know, like the Trollocs, 
Like, uh, yeah. I, I was fine. Uh, how'd you feel about the sexuality in the show? Did that cross any boundaries? And see, that was another one where I was like, I don't know how far this is going to go. You know, are we going to have full frontal here? What's going to be the situation? I don't know what 16 plus means. Um, So we were hesitant in that regard. Um, But it seems like they, they kept it within the bounds of a TV 14, 13 situation, backside Mm -hmm. nudity, you know. Um, I'll admit like the few times they had a bath scene, I think they had two bath scenes, one, Mm -hmm in the two rivers and then one in, uh, in the tower. And I was like, uh, I think, I think once we got to the tower, we were just like, let's just listen to the dialogue. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be surprised. <laughs> so yeah, we just listened to it at that point. Yeah. And, uh, Oh, you mentioned, the. Uh, the white cloaks. I think as far as gore goes, the other time that I didn't watch the screen was when he's like slicing Perrin's back. That was a little oh, yeah. grody. That, I, was, that was, I was not a fan of that. Because like it was from a camera angle where you couldn't see exactly what was happening, which was fine. And then they're like, let's show you the backside angle. And they actually show in detail like, ha ha ha. And I'm like, I don't know if I like that. Which was the point of the scene and it served the scene, but it still felt uncomfortable so yeah for sure so anyway do you have anything to add to the uh content situation with the Um, sexuality or anything oh the sexuality um i felt like a couple of the what do we call them like love scenes lingered a little too long for me i was like I, i get the point guys I don't know. For me, that was fine. The bath scene, I was, I, I don't know. I was okay with that because I'm like, <laughs> I have no interest <laughs> in the characters on screen. <laughs> oh, is that what? Oh, they're gross. Never mind. It's okay. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. So, that makes it okay. Um, like, <laughs> nudity in a non sexual context is typically okay in like my internal rating system because like <laughs> it, it has a lot of a lot of other contexts sure do, do you know what i mean like it i'm trying to think of a good example um that's not depressing um aborigines well i mean quickly <laughs> down under but that's been a while since I've seen it. So I don't remember exactly how that works in context, but I'm, I'm thinking of something like Schindler's list <laughs> perhaps. Oh, yeah. um, and like Holocaust type situations, there's a lot of nudity in that, but like, it's not like sexual nudity. It's horrific nudity. Like it's different. And so like this one is just, it's like a school locker room. Yeah. You know, like it's, can, can you think of a, no, I guess it does get sexualized a lot. Um, it, it's just, it doesn't need to be, and it wasn't. And so, like, that, that scene was like, it's just people living their lives, doing normal stuff. And, like, I, I didn't have an issue with that. But a couple of the love scenes, I thought it lingered too long. And I'm like, okay. Like, again, I get it. We can move on now to the story. The show feels too rushed as it is. It's, yeah. Let's move on. <laughs> so. <laughs> Although, I, I will admit, being kind of fascinated in a weird way with uh lan and nynaeve's little love sequence i'm pretty sure that's the only love sequence i've ever seen where the female starts the sequence and ends the sequence fully clothed (laughs) and i was like wow that's a little refreshing (laughs) all right it was weird but I, I had totally I forgotten was, about that, but that came out of nowhere for me. Was that set up? Yeah. Did I miss something? Was, they set that up. They set that they up. They did? Yeah, okay. that episode with, um, oh, when you first meet uh, the false dragon and you have all the other warders and everything. You know that episode? Yeah, yeah. Remember that? Yeah. They're setting it up then because... 
they're kind of having like this flirtation between Lan and Nynaeve. Um, and Did not read that as flirtation, but okay. Well, yeah, they talk about that. And I think they even explicitly mention when Moraine, Moraine and Lan are talking that she's hanging out with you warders an awful lot. And I don't think it's necessarily because of the other warders. As she was hinting, like, she's got a thing for you. Um, and then at the end, when the false dragon, I forget what his name was, Loghain, when Loghain just kills everybody in that one fell swoop, she mm-hmm. comes in directly to Lan and heals everybody because she was trying to heal Lan, or at least was so distraught by his death. And Moraine points that out in another episode, too. Completely missed all that. No, it, it, was it, was, just... it was pretty significantly set up ep- several episodes. Okay. <laughs> okay, fine, fine, fine. Missed that completely. It, it took me totally by surprise. I'm like, wait, what? Who? I think you lost Them? your credibility. <laughs> like I had some to begin with. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, all right, well. Any closing comments, final thoughts about the show? No, I mean, it was overall just very middling. It was not that fantastic, not terrible. It was it was fine. Entertaining enough to give a single watch at the very least. Um, yeah. Not something that I'll be going back to repetitively like I would with Lord of the Rings. Um. But I think, you know, this is one of the problems that all fantasy kind of has to overcome, right? Is the shadow of Lord of the Rings. Uh, Because it set up so much of what modern fantasy is. Everything is just an offshoot of that. Poor, Poor Wheel of Time. The whole show took so long getting out of the rut of Lord of the Rings. The first... Like the first several episodes, you're in Hobbiton. I mean, the two rivers. You have these, mm-hmm. you know, quaint little country hobbits. I mean, folks. Uh, you have this wizard. I mean, woman, Isadai, who has to come to the town to find and find some the one special person. Um, they have to escape because of this special person. The ability is likened to the ring, right? The ring is the power, but here it's innate in the person. Um, So they escape and they escape in the nighttime. They're escaping from a writer with a black cloak who also screeches. uh, (laughs) (laughs) And this dark writer on a black cloak chases them all the way to a river. And how do they escape this writer on a black cloak? They escape via a ferry across the river. Brandywine <laughs> Bridge, 20 <laughs> miles. I mean, wait, no, they have to go. <laughs> you know, it's so, ex- like, almost scene for scene in a few right. places, like Lord of the Rings. Um, and then you mentioned, we already talked about Moria, and I think finally there is after they get out of that place, they finally start to break free and do their own thing and explore explore into the overall world but i mean we're halfway through the season Mm -hmm. and so much of fantasy i think has to break away somehow from lord of the rings and it's difficult to do because it set the tone so anyway i think you're totally right i think that makes a ton of sense and like the the Wheel of Time series later in the books goes very different places than Lord of the Rings, but you have to, it takes a while to get there. And I also didn't like the first book um, very much. <laughs> like it, it gets better. Like it just gets better over time once you get past the foundation. But th- this series takes a while to get off the ground. And when it does, it goes some really cool places, but it just, really takes a while. So my fear is that the show will never get there. Like mm. I, I hope that there's enough positive buzz and positive stuff to get to the good parts. Yeah. yeah. Because so yeah. Lord of the Rings is three books, right? And they're short 
comparatively speaking to Wheel of Time. Wheel of, Wheel of Time needs that room to breathe, to, to get Rand super-powered, to, to start affecting the pattern you know, consciously and do some crazy cool stuff with, with that. And there's like a new magic system that gets brought into things where I don't think you got there at book five. I but did not. Rand gets like an ability to use bale fire, which oh, wait, is like that a, does sound familiar. Which like uh, is like a super fireball. I don't remember exactly where it comes into the, the books, but um, it erases things from time. Yes, and, and like I do pattern. remember that. I think that, that is right where I stopped reading. There was right, like right, this yeah. huge battle in some town, right, or a castle or a keep. <laughs> You know how many battles happen in the series <laughs> in a keep. Um, yes, yeah, so okay, in a battle. Yeah. But he uses it against like some trollics and stuff like that. Anyway, yeah, yeah. So like so, like the, the implications of that become so important because the pattern and the wheel of time spinning the pattern, and then he can just literally remove things from the pattern, and like there's just like gaping holes in it, and it's it's cool the implications of that. Like it gets some really cool places. And I want to see it. I wasn't overly thrilled with the first season, but like you said, I watched it. It was entertaining enough. The goddess that Spirit Maiden doing her thing, which is great. And uh, <laughs> I hope season two is better. I really yep. do. And I hope the internet doesn't burn it to the ground. Kill it. Yeah. On that happy note, <laughs> that's all for today's episode. <laughs> we'll catch you next week.